It's bring your kid to work day. It's been a while since Jude has joined me on stage. You wanna say, hey, buddy? Hey, hey, Jude, hey, Jude, watch this. Jude, where's your nose? Where's your, hey, where's your hair? Where is your ears? No, okay. Where's your mouth? Is that your mouth? This is his favorite one, ready? Jude, where's your belly button? Where's your belly button? Whoa! Yeah! All right. Jude, can you say Jesus? <laughs> you say Jesus? Okay. Okay, he's totally got Holy Spirit down, but we can't get Jesus. So, uh, there you go, yeah, Mama. You're gonna get him. Hey, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up your Bibles to 2 Samuel. We're gonna get there in just a second. And, uh, hey, I wanna say, Reagan, awesome job. Let's put our hands together for Reagan one more time. That was so good, Regs. You did a great job. And uh, I just love seeing uh, new people just get up here and preach the word for a second. And uh, man, Reagan is just one of a lot of people at Sub 30 that have an amazing, ridiculously powerful testimony of the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God on someone's life. And, uh, and man, the more you get involved in the Sub 30 family and when you jump on a serving team and you get involved in a group, you are gonna meet so many people with just incredible stories. And uh, if you thought that was just encouraging for like, you know, just 60 seconds or whatever it was, like, man, it, it's some of the most encouraging stories I've ever heard in the Sub 30 family, and so I love it. Hey, I also wanna take a second and uh, just honor some special people, and uh, you, you know who they are, but I wanna take a second and honor uh, Will and Liz Chavez. If you would just stand up right where you're at. And uh, Will and Liz, come on, Liz preached a great word last week, huh? Preached an awesome word. And, uh, and Will and Liz, uh, they've been here at Celebration in Jacksonville for a number of years, a lot of years. Uh, they met here and uh, just been serving on just a million different teams and just all over the place. There's nothing they probably haven't been involved in. And, uh, but man, God has been speaking to them and uh, they are going to actually be relocating to our Celebration Orlando family. Uh, in just a couple weeks is their move date. And uh, so they're gonna be heading out and uh, they're, they're gonna go down there, they're gonna start some small groups and they're actually gonna be ministering to a lot of college and young adults, kind of how we do Sub 30 here. They're gonna help get some of that stuff off the ground in Orlando, and I just wanted to take a second. Obviously, Liz has preached many times. Will is no stranger to this platform. He's been involved in worship and all over the place as well. But man, just an awesome, faithful couple, and I just wanted to honor them. Let's put our hands together one more time and recognize them. Tell them how much we love them and we appreciate you guys. So, uh, so hey, if you think about them in the next few days, man, pray for them as they get into a new house and get kind of, you know, new life started in a brand new city. And Will and Liz, I love you guys. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Liz. You, you've put up with me for a while now. And, uh, and you guys have both been a massive blessing to Sub 30. You're leaving Sub 30 better because of what you've sown into it. And we really appreciate you guys. And so, hey, uh, 2 Samuel chapter eight is where we are. And uh, starting in verse one, I'm excited uh, to be back. It's been a couple weeks uh, since I've been in the pulpit here at Sub 30. I was traveling out of state last week, but I'm glad to be back. I'm gonna preach uh, tonight. Obviously, I'm gonna preach next week uh, as well. So two in a row, I'm really pumped about the word that God has given me. But here in 2 Samuel 8, starting in verse one, if you don't have a Bible, it's all good. It's gonna come on the screen. If you're watching online, a special welcome to you. The scripture will be on the screen for you as well. It says this, 
It says out of the NIV translation, in the course of time, David defeated the Philistines and subdued them. And he took uh, Methig Ammon from the control of the Philistines and David also defeated the Moabites. Now here's where I really want you to catch this. Um, he made them lie down on the ground and he measured them off with a length of cord. And every two lengths of them were put to death and the third length was allowed to live. So the Moabites became subject to David and brought him tribute, verse three. Moreover, David defeated Adahezer, son of Rehob, king of Zobah. This is just, no one's naming their kids these names anymore. But um, when he went to restore his monument at the Euphrates River, watch this, David captured a thousand of his chariots, 7,000 charioteers and 20,000 foot soldiers. He hamstrung all but a hundred of the chariot horses. And when the Arameans of Damascus came to help, David struck down 22,000 of them. Like David is doing work, y'all. Like David is just, he's doing work. He struck down 22,000 of these dudes. He put them uh, garrisons in the Aramean kingdom of Damascus and the Arameans became subject to him and brought him tribute. And the Lord gave David victory wherever he went. Now skip down to verse 13. And David became famous after he returned from striking down 18,000 Edomites. Like David, you just took out 22,000 Arameans and now you just did 18,000 Edomites. Like David is just on a rampage, him and his army and he put garrisons throughout Edom and all of the Edomites became subject to David and the Lord gave David victory wherever he went. Tonight I, I want to speak to you for about the next 30 minutes on what I have entitled living with the enemy. Living with the enemy. This is kind of one of those messages where like as you're getting it from God you're kind of like you sure you want me to say that and so um so we're gonna see where it goes tonight. I, I want it to be encouraging. I always want the word to be encouraging. And I believe when you incorporate Jesus, it always is. So it's gonna be encouraging tonight. There's hope at the end of this, but, but I wanna go ahead and warn you, it's gonna point for a second. And, and the word's gonna point at us. And, and, and as I've said in some messages before, I want you to listen for you tonight. I want you to listen to this word and, and I want you to receive it for yourself. Don't listen for somebody else. Don't think about somebody else as the word's being preached. I want you to think and listen for you as we talk about living with the enemy. Let's pray and we're gonna get into it tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, we love you. Lord, we, we love you because you're just so good. You're faithful, you're awesome, you're powerful, you're majestic. Lord, you, you did what we could not do and that was make a way, God. You, you bring freedom, you bring life. And Lord, we lean into your word tonight, God. We wanna receive everything uh, that you have for us. We don't wanna miss a single drop. Lord, we love you. And we go ahead and say in advance, come and have your way in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen? Amen. Um, me personally, uh, for people who know me, and I've said this before from the Sub30 platform, I'm a very OCD individual. Does anyone feel like you are as well? I'm a very OCD individual. If you were to go into my closet, you will notice that everything is very organized, uh, not just by shirt type, you know, like all the button downs are here, all the polos are here, all the jackets are here, but then they're color coordinated as well. Like that's how we do it in my closet. Um, my shoes are still in the box. Anybody still keep every shoe you buy in the box? Like some people are like, I know I throw the box away. You're not doing it right. You better keep the box, okay? I keep the box. I'm a very OCD individual. And so going along with that part of me, I love cleaning. I love it. I don't know if you love cleaning. I absolutely love cleaning. And here in this springtime of year, um, it's typically where people are doing spring cleaning. 
And at my house, we don't have to do spring cleaning because we do weekly cleaning, and my wife will tell you that's true. Uh, I, I love cleaning, I love, I love cleaning bathrooms. Like some people are like, that's nasty, I like it. I just like clean, I like when stuff is clean. I love cleaning bathrooms, I love cleaning the cars. I will detail a car on a Saturday. Okay, I love, I, I love cleaning the living room. I love cleaning just my, 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 my closet. I, I will clean anything and everything. I love cleaning. I absolutely love it. And, and it's a simple principle when you talk about spring cleaning because what spring cleaning is really all about, it's a simple idea. And the idea is this. Um, you're, you're deciding what will go and what will stay. That's what you do when you do like a massive spring cleaning. What will go and what will stay? And the way you decide is basically this. If it's good, if it's healthy, if it serves a purpose, then it stays. I'm gonna keep it. But if it's not good, if it's not healthy, if it's old, if it's stale, if it doesn't really serve a good purpose anymore, then I'm about to throw it out. Like whatever the opposite of a hoarder is, that's me. I will throw something out in a minute, okay? Like it's like if I haven't picked it up in three days, I'm probably gonna throw it out, okay? I probably end up spending way more money buying back whatever I've just thrown out, but that's me. Like I will throw something away in a heartbeat. If it's good, it stays. And if it's bad, if it serves no purpose, if it's old, if it's stale, it is getting thrown out. You see, Sub 30, I think this is a brilliant, powerful concept that we need to catch and understand and apply to our spiritual lives tonight. You know, as I was reading this passage in 2 Samuel chapter eight, I had a few thoughts. That passage that we just read about David just killing everybody, right? And I had a few thoughts. My, my first thought was this. I don't think most of us fully understand the violence of the Old Testament. Like, I don't think we really understand the carnage that took place in Old Testament scriptures. In fact, a case could be made that the Old Testament is simply a book of war. It's just war all the time. And clearly, David is a symbol of this characterization. Like so many people, I think they get David all wrong. It's like they think of David and you know, they think he's just kind of some puny, little, frail kind of guy and he's the shepherd, so he, you know, he's got some baby lambs. You know, and it's just like, that's how we view David. It's just David, he's got some baby lambs. And, and then, he, you know, he had like a little baby angel heart because he wasn't like man enough to play the drums or the bass or something like that. And so, you know, he's got some lambs, he's got a harp. He's, he's kind of small, he's kind of frail, maybe a little feminine, whatever, I don't know. And like, that's how we view David. That is, that is absolutely the furthest thing from the truth. David was a man of war. David went to war very, very often in his lifetime. In fact, the Bible tells us this. The Bible said God wouldn't even allow David to build the temple because he had so much blood on his hands. Now, God sent David into battle, so he's like, David, I need you to do this, but I'm not gonna let you build the temple, bro, because you got way too much blood on your hands. David was a man of war. He understood what war was like. The second thing I noticed as I was reading that passage of Scripture is is what's gonna be insightful for us tonight is what David did every time he conquered another enemy. He did the same thing every time after he finished a conquest. After David would conquer an enemy, he would observe anybody that was left still living and he would create two lines of people. This is what he did. And if you found yourself kinda of in this line, then that was the death line. And David is gonna put you down, you're gonna die. But then some people, they're gonna find themselves in the life line, in which case you would be turned into a servant and you would serve the nation of Israel. You see, I think there's a spiritual application here that is very, very profound if we can walk away and catch this tonight. You see, Sub 30, I believe that there should be moments, often moments in the life of every single believer where you sit down and you take inventory of your actions, your lifestyle, your deeds, and your words, and you gotta make the decision. What's gonna stay, what's gonna live, and what's gonna die? 
Just like David did. David sat down after a conquest and he said, all right, boys, it's time to make the decision. What's dying and what's staying? Boy, I think that's a word for our generation. If you haven't taken inventory of your lifestyle in a while, if you haven't taken inventory of who you are and the things and the patterns that are in your life, maybe it's time to do that tonight. And maybe tonight is the night where you look and you, you get honest with yourself. Like, can we just be honest in church? Can we just get honest and actually examine our life in light of scripture and what we know to be truth from Jesus and make the decision what's gonna live and what's gonna die? There's, there's probably a good chance that there are things in our life and, and some of the things, boy, they bring life and they bring fulfillment and they're good things and God-given things, but I'm willing to bet for all of us there's things in our life that are very unhealthy. There's things in our life that if, if they sit around and they persist for long enough, they're only bringing death. You gotta make the decision, sub 30, what lives and what dies. We gotta put down the things that lead to death. I had this thought, you see, we gotta start treating sin like sin treats us. Boy, you gotta start treating sin like sin treats you. Sin ain't going easy on you. Sin's not gonna compromise with you. Sin doesn't look at your life and say, well, you know, I'm just gonna go eat. I'm just gonna give them light for right now. Like, it's like sin and waking up saying, well, I just, you know, I don't really wanna destroy them. I just kinda wanna mess with their day. Sin ain't willing to go easy on you, so why are we compromising with it? Boy, evil, evil, if you're gonna be merciless toward me, then I'm gonna be merciless toward you. That's the attitude you gotta have when you approach sin. The attitude is take no prisoners. When it, man, when it comes to sin in our life, when it comes to evil and wrong patterns in our life, the attitude you gotta have is I'm not taking any prisoners. Because what you'll find out, sub 30, is if you do take prisoners, if you do compromise with sin, if you do let it linger, boy, that prisoner will escape and it'll break its chains and it'll eventually come around and hurt you again. And I think we've all lived enough life to see that to be true. Boy, we've seen it happen over and over. Why is this thing back in my life? I don't know, how is it here again? Because you didn't kill it. You didn't put it down when maybe you should have put it down and now the prisoners escaped and it's running back around. Take no prisoners. Boy, I, I could just see David sitting there after, after a conquest and, and his boys bring up an enemy soldier who was just moments ago trying to kill them and kill David and hey, hey David, hey King, what do you want us to do with this guy? He, he was just trying to kill you, King. He was just trying to murder you, David. What do you want us to do with this guy? Oh, oh, he was just trying to kill us? Oh, well, it's easy, put him down. Just, just, just like that, put him down. David recognized if there is even an inkling that this thing can pose a potential threat to my future, put it down now. Sub 30, you gotta get real with yourself. What is it in your life that might be posing a threat to your future? If you let it linger, it's coming back around. You gotta make the decision, I'm putting it down right now, don't be fooled. I think some people think the devil's just out to kind of play little games. The devil doesn't wake up in the morning thinking to himself, you know what, I just wanna give some people like a bad hair day, a flat tire, uh, you know, a job loss and a broken heart from a boyfriend or girlfriend. That's not the games he came to play. Make no mistake, he is out to steal your life, kill your life, destroy your life. I'm not living with that. But so many of us are living with the enemy where we're living with this sin stuff, where we're allowing this, this evil to coexist with us in our lives, and, and it's never gonna lead to a good outcome. You gotta make the decision to put it down. You see, Jesus, the, the, the encouraging thing is that Jesus has already done the work on the cross. 
Jesus has already defeated sin, death, and the grave and evil on the cross. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, like the old song says. Nothing but the blood of Jesus conquers sin. But the key for you and I is how do we mobilize and apply the blood to our lives so that we can have that victory? How can I have that victory? So the question is, if you wanna write it down, what's holding you back from getting the victory? What's holding you back from getting the victory in your life? Can I maybe ask this question? Is it that you tolerate what Jesus came to eliminate? Boy, Jesus came to eliminate sin. Jesus came to eliminate all that evil, all those bad patterns. Jesus came to eliminate that. But maybe the reason some of us don't have victory is because we're tolerating and we're living with what Jesus came to eliminate. And Jesus is saying, I don't know why you're tolerating when I came and gave my life to eliminate so you wouldn't even have to deal with that. There is a victory. There is a way that you can get freedom in that area of your life, but you gotta stop living with the enemy. And you gotta stop welcoming, start welcoming Jesus, welcoming the Holy Spirit into your life. He will give you the grace. He will give you the victory. He will give you everything that you need to find freedom in that situation. King David understood all of this. Like King David, he, he got it. And there are things in our life that if we allow to persist, if they go unaddressed, they're gonna be death for us. Take no prisoners. What, what evil, what sin in your life right now is posing a threat to your future? Just for the sake of example, I just wrote some practical things down. Is it a pornography addiction? Right, this is just practical examples. Everyone in the room is not gonna be all these things, but some people might. Is it a pornography addiction? And you're living with it thinking, well, it's not hurting anybody, right? It's not really hurting anybody. Like, it's not, like, it's just, it's just kind of me and maybe it's wrong, but it's like, it's not hurting me and I don't really see a difference in myself. So I don't really know. It's not like I'm turning into an evil person. And no, no, no. If, if it lives with you long enough, it'll destroy. If it lives with you long enough. And, and maybe you're like, well, I'm not even married yet, and, but I don't see how it's going to hurt me. Look, if it lives with you long enough, I've seen it destroy marriages. Is, is, it, is it that type of an addiction? Is it just an unclean thought life? Is it just an unclean thought life that you need to get Jesus in on so that you can get freedom from all that mess? Is it drug and alcohol problems? Is it a relationship that you shouldn't be in any longer and you know it? Is, is, is that the thing that you need to put down tonight? I recognize it's wrong, I gotta put it down. It's, it's, it's unclean, it's not doing anything healthy for my life. This is not benefiting me in a godly way whatsoever. I, I gotta put this thing down? Is it sexual immorality? Is it environments around town that you keep going to and you keep frequenting over and over and over, but you realize this place is not leading me to life? Every time I'm in this environment, it's not leading me to health. This is not leading me into all that God has for me. Maybe the environment is what you need to put down tonight. Maybe you take a stand tonight saying, I'm not living with that enemy anymore. Because if you stay in it long enough, you know it's going to kill you. Sometimes you gotta make the decision, boy, it's spring cleaning in your soul tonight. What's living and what's dying? What's staying and what's getting thrown out? I, I kinda told you, it's pointed tonight, but as a pastor, sometimes I just gotta preach this stuff. I gotta remind us of this stuff. It's gonna get us to the next level in all that God has for us. What needs to die tonight? You know, back in Roman times, I, you know, I think most of us have seen that movie Gladiator, right? Gladiators would go into an arena and they would fight till the death, right? That's what you and I, if you don't think you're waking up every day and fighting spiritual warfare, oh, you are. Every single day we wake up and we're fighting. I remember in that movie when the emperor would step forward after two gladiators have been fighting to the death and one may be on the ground right now and the emperor holds out his hand. Thumbs up means, hey, you can let him live. Thumbs down means, no, he's done. Boy, I'm here to tell you, we need to do some of this tonight. 
Some of you need to look at some things going on in your life and you gotta give it a thumbs up. That's good, that's godly, that's beneficial, that's good for me, that's gonna lead to what God has for me. But boy, some of us are gonna be doing this. That relationship is not good. That habit is not good. That sin of choice is killing me. That environment is wearing me out. We gotta make the decision tonight, sub 30. What lives and what dies? What lives and what dies? The Bible said that David would literally make the men lie down on the ground. That's scary. That's scary. I mean, it's kind of twisted if you think about it, but here, here David is, and anybody left from the foreign nation in the foreign army that they were fighting, anybody that was still alive, you're gonna lie down on the ground. And the Bible said that David would measure them off. God, you're praying to God, like, oh, please don't let me be in, oh, God, you know? Like, if you're lying on the ground, you're like, please let me be, oh, I'm gonna be a servant. Yes, okay, so he would measure people off, measure them off to decide who lives and who dies? Man, I think we gotta do some of that tonight. I, I, when I thought about that, you know, people hear stuff like that and they say, Mammy, man, that sounds brutal. That sounds crazy. That sounds really intense. That sounds really dramatic. Why did David even have to do that? But listen to me, Sub 30. Sometimes, if you wanna get to the next level in your relationship with God, you're gonna have to do some things that the world would consider to be crazy and dramatic and intense, but it's the only way. It's the only way you're getting to the next level and all that God has for you. What do you mean? What do you mean we can't sleep together anymore? Why? That's crazy. Who does that? I know it's crazy, but I want to get to the next level. What do you mean you can't come with us and, and get drunk at the bar on Friday nights? You notice what we do on Friday and Saturday. You know this. I mean, we've been doing this forever. Why, what do you mean? That's, why are you being so dramatic? Why are you going to be a dramatic Christian? Because sometimes I got to do dramatic stuff if I want to get to the next level and all that God has for me. Call me crazy. Call me dramatic, call me a little intense as a believer of God, but I care for my soul. And I care for what happens in the rest of my life. And I'm gonna put down anything that even stands a chance at putting me down. I'm gonna decide that it dies and it's over and it's done with. Understand this, well, well let me read you this. I'll tell you this first, that when the Bible told us that, that David measured, he, he had a measuring tool to decide. You and I, see the hope in all of this is you and I have been given the measuring stick by which we can decide what is good and beneficial and what needs to die. God has given us his word. God has given us his spirit. God has given us his son. And when you take a look at those three, it becomes very, very clear that is a measuring stick as to what needs to die and what can live. Because when I take anything in my life and I hold it up to the word of God, when I hold it up to the spirit of God and I hold it up to the words of Jesus, I can very quickly tell whether this thing should live or whether this thing needs to be thrown out. God has given you the measuring tool that you need to decide what lives and what dies. You know, part of my OCD nature, if you will, is that not only do I love like cleaning the inside of the house, but I love doing yard work. That's probably weird to a lot of people too. I probably, in another life, I should have been like a, a landscaping guy. I probably would have done really well. I really enjoy it. And so, um, Bethany, my wife, she could tell you that, you know, sometimes we've debated like, man, you know, should I just fork out, you know, the 30 bucks a month to have someone else come and do our yard? But then I always come back to, I just like to do it. I just want to do it. And there's something manly about this, my yard. Look at this grass. This is my grass. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like yard of the month. Like you, like, it's just like, it's like you're, you just kind of walk down the street with your nose up. <laughs> Look at this yard. This yard is sad. <laughs> Look at that yard right there. Oh, that yard, those, those weeds ain't got nothing on my grass. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, I just like it. I like to do yard work. But, but here's the key to doing yard work. If you want, like, if you're into, you know, yard work or gardening or whatever, like, you can't have good, healthy yard 
and he can't have a good, healthy garden if weeds are also in the mix. So in other words, for me to have a great, nice, manicured, awesome lawn, there's only one thing I gotta do. I gotta kill the weeds. I gotta kill the weeds. The, the weeds cannot coexist because, because we all know this to be true. The good, healthy grass does not choke out the weeds. The weeds choke out the good, healthy grass. You gotta kill the weeds if you want a healthy yard. Well, the weeds don't play fair, do they? The weeds don't play fair, the weeds don't yield, the weeds don't stop, the weeds aren't concerned with me getting yard of the month, the weeds don't care about any of that. And the same is true with sin and evil. Sin doesn't play fair. Sin doesn't, sin doesn't do, sin will choke out everything good in your life. It's not like, well, I got a lot of sin, but hey, I'm going to church once a week, so hopefully this going to church once a week stuff will kind of make up for the sin. No, the good doesn't snuff out the bad, you gotta kill the bad so that the good can grow. Too many people compromising. Too many people thinking they can have a peaceful coexistence living with the enemy and it'll never happen. It'll never ever happen. It's not gonna happen. You gotta kill the weeds sometime. You can't coexist. What, what happens to a garden when weeds allow to, to grow and to become stronger all, all the time? You know what happens in a garden? All the fruits and vegetables die. All the fruits and vegetables die. And I think some of us tonight, sub 30, if you examine your, your life as a believer and you are honest with yourself and, and you say, man, I don't really see a lot of good fruit bearing in my life, then the first thing I would do if I was you, if I, I would check for weeds. I would check for weeds. What is it, maybe, this isn't condemning by any means. This is just, man, let's just get back on track with Jesus. But, but I would just check and say, what is it maybe still in my life what pattern that is not beneficial is still in my life? What's going on that is still in my life that's causing the fruit to be stunted or even stopped? Because whatever it is, boy, as soon as you can identify it, I'm putting it down. It, it, it's dying, it's dead tonight because I want fruit to bear in my life. In scripture, the Bible tells us that the Philistines, it was another group of people that David King David and his men fought. The Bible tells us that the Philistines were the very first people to ever use iron weapons. Very, very strong metal. No one else had iron weapons. They were the, the first, but yet David and his men defeated the Philistines. You see, sometimes fighting an opponent that seems to have superior weapons can be very, very intimidating. Sometimes I think we look at things in our life and we say, well, Pastor Clay, I hear what you're preaching. It's good preaching. It's godly preaching. I believe in it. But boy, this issue in my life is like iron. Boy, this, this pattern of sin in my life, this evil in my life, I know it shouldn't be there. I, I agree with you, Pastor. I know it shouldn't be there. I hear what you're saying. But boy, it's like iron. And it's intimidating. I don't know how I'm gonna defeat this thing. But boy, David and his men found a way. And what you need to understand tonight is this, is the words that Jesus tells us in scripture. And that is everything in your life must bow to the name of Jesus. Everything must bow. Boy, there's victory in the name of Jesus. There's freedom in the name of Jesus. And when you catch a revelation of that, it's a whole lot easier to put those iron things in their place. Everything's gotta bow and submit to the name of Jesus. I love it. I just came to remind some people in here tonight, your sin issue is not as powerful as you think it is. It just needs the blood of Jesus on it. 
It just needs the name of Jesus and the Holy Spirit at work in your life. I'm here to tell you, you take a step of devotion toward God. You take another step in your relationship with Jesus. He is there to meet you. You're not gonna be out here all alone by yourself. The Bible tells us when you take a step, God starts running toward you. That's how it works. And when you get Jesus in your life, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit is there to bring freedom to some of these circumstances, man. It's powerful, but you gotta stop living with the enemy. As, uh, as the band gets ready to join me, and TJ can come back out on the keys or whatever, but I started looking into some other stuff in scripture. Did you know that tolerating sin and evil, right? Like, like we don't need to tolerate what Jesus came to eliminate, but when you start tolerating sin and evil in your life, did you know that it grows and it multiplies? It, and, and scripturally, we can see this, it actually multiplies. See, the key to this simple message tonight, it's so ridiculously simple. Sometimes I get up here and I'm like, God, this message is so simple. I feel like I need to bring something else. But boy, some of these simple principles that we just need to be reminded of, right? And the simple message tonight is this, deal with it now. Deal with it now. The Bible tells us in Judges chapter one that a man named Caleb, Caleb is now 80 years old in Judges chapter one. This is not the first time we've seen Caleb. Caleb was one of the couple spies that went to see the promised land. As Moses and everyone was like, yo, man, is that the land? Well, let's check it out first. Let's send some spies in. Let's see what's going on. And, and Caleb was there, but the report came back. Hey, man, there's a, there's, a, there's a few giants in the land. Israel got scared. Israelites got scared. They're like, oh my God, giants. Uh, we, don't, we don't know how to do giants. Like, we, 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 know, we only know Egyptians. We don't know giants. So I don't, we don't know how to do giants. Everyone's freaking out, right? And here's, here's Caleb, though, in Judges chapter one. He's now 80 years old, but he finally defeats the three giants that kept Israel from the promised land for 40 years. Watch, watch it, like 40 years. There were some giants in the land, and because they didn't wanna deal with the giants then, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, right? Watch this, though. J uh, Joshua chapter 11, though. We find the relatives of those giants now occupy Israel's mountains in Joshua chapter 11 because... Over the 40 years that Israel was in the wilderness, what did the giants do? They multiplied and they grew stronger. And so now here we are in scripture. I'll read it to you, Joshua 11, verse 19. Except for the Hivites living in uh, Gibeon, like how I said that was like an accent or something. Um, not one city made a treaty of peace with the Israelites uh, who took them all in battle, for it was the Lord himself who hardened their hearts to wage war against Israel so that he might destroy them totally, exterminating them without mercy. That's, that's how you gotta treat sin, sub 30, without mercy. I know the Bible talks about showing mercy and being kind, but that's not how we treat sin though. Boy, you better be merciless towards sin as the Lord commanded them. Verse 21, at that time, Joshua went and destroyed the Anakites from the hill country, from Hebron, from all the hill country of Judah and from all the hill country of Israel. Joshua totally Destroyed. You see, Israel, that's what you should have done in the first place. It's what you should have done in the first place, but you didn't. But now here Joshua is a long time later, and he totally destroyed them in their towns. No Anakites were left in Israelite territory, only in Gazagoth and Ashdod did any survive. Verse 23, so Joshua took the entire land. Oh, that's good. It's finally all theirs. It wasn't theirs. They had compromised the land for a lot of years, but now it's all theirs. The entire land, just as the Lord had directed Moses. And he gave it as an inheritance to Israel according to their tribal divisions. Then the land had rest from war. Sub 30, Israel, because they didn't kill the giants 
when they should have the first time around. They had to end up dealing with hundreds, maybe even thousands of more giants because they waited. All because they, they waited. I started thinking to myself, how many more Israelites had to die because you waited? How many more people's lives and families in Israel were destroyed because they decided to wait? Like, like how many more of God's people had to die in the wilderness because the decision that was made was basically, oh, we'll, you know, we'll, just, we'll deal with that tomorrow. We'll, just, we'll get to that a little bit later. Like, like, yeah, 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 but sub 30, I had this thought. I believe that there are way too many believers waiting on tomorrow to do what God's told you to do today. And people in our generation, they keep saying, I'll, 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 I'll give my life to Jesus tomorrow. I'll, I'll start living righteous tomorrow. I'll, I'll stop this sin issue tomorrow. I'll get right tomorrow. I'll get my life together tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. You are not promised tomorrow. You're not promised tomorrow. If there's anything that I love about our boy EJ, is what, a, what, a, what just a simple example. Thank God he's a believer. Thank God he's a man of God who's now seated up next to Jesus. Come on, what an amazing thought that is. In the presence of a holy God, but, but it's, it's just another example of you're not promised tomorrow. So many people, I know I'm living with the enemy, but I'll kick him out tomorrow. Tomorrow? Tomorrow. How many more giants are there gonna be tomorrow? How much more difficult is it gonna be for you to stop the pattern tomorrow? If it's always tomorrow, I'm here to tell you that little bit of an addiction right now that maybe you just keep going to, maybe kind of once a month, you, you dabble in it once a week, all of a sudden, boy, if you go tomorrow, 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 man, 20 years down the road, it is so taken over your life. It is so messed with your life. You are in such a heap of mess. It has now crippled you. It has now limited you all because tomorrow. Don't wait on tomorrow to do what God's telling you to do today. Don't let the giants grow. Don't let them multiply. Don't let them get out of hand. How? It's Because it's not just gonna be your life. God forbid, who, who else's life might be caught in the fray because you waited on tomorrow? I don't wanna have a tomorrow mentality. The Israelites had to deal with way more problems because they waited till tomorrow. Sub 30, any conflict you run from now will be waiting for you in the future. And any adversary you do not deal with today will gain strength for tomorrow. You gotta put it down today. You gotta, you gotta spring clean your life today. What lives and what dies, the enemy is like cancer. Speaking from someone who has had cancer. The enemy is like cancer. If you don't stop it, it's gonna grow. If you don't, if you don't, if you don't get a hold of that, if you don't treat that, it's gonna grow and it's gonna get out of hand. We gotta stop living with the enemy. We gotta stop trying to convince ourselves that you can have a peaceful coexistence with sin. You can't. It's never gonna happen. So I'm gonna give you a couple practical steps. You're like, okay, pastor, we, we, we get it. How, how can I go about this? How can I take a step? How can I, how can I do something and help? I, I just thought of three simple things. The first one is this, if you wanna write them down. Number one, stop compromising. Stop compromising. You know, we tell people when they get married, um, you know, hey, hey, you're getting married, you know, so there's gonna be some compromise with your spouse when you get married. Bethany and I, it'll be nine years this May. There's been some compromise, you know, 
throughout the years, oh, you wanna do that, but I wanna do this. Well, let's find, a, let's find a solution. Let's find somewhere in the middle and let's compromise. So we tell people you can compromise in marriage, but listen, you ain't married to the devil. Some, some of you think you are. You're actually not though. You're not, you're not actually married to the devil. So <laughs> someone's like, boy, he's preaching to me over here. No, just kidding. So in life, you may have to compromise with your spouse, but I'm never compromising with the enemy. I'm not compromising, I'm not compromising with sin. I'm not gonna sit down and try to find some middle ground with sin. Okay, sin, okay, hey, uh, I'm gonna keep you around, but if, if you got a promise, you're not gonna hurt me, okay? You got a promise, like, okay, it's just, I'll keep you though, but like, don't, don't hurt me though, we cool? And sin's like, okay, you know, like, stop compromising. Stop compromising with the enemy. Number two, you gotta start non-negotiables. Start non-negotiables. There needs to be several things in your life that you simply will not negotiate on. I won't negotiate with the enemy. I won't negotiate my convictions with my boyfriend, my girlfriend. I won't negotiate my moral convictions. I won't negotiate my spiritual beliefs. They are simply non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. In other words, they're not up for debate and they're not up for discussion. They're non-negotiables in my life. Just like spring cleaning, boy, if it's bad, if it's unhealthy, if it doesn't serve a good purpose, it's getting thrown in the trash. It's non-negotiable. Like, like that, that's I literally, I tell my wife that. We'll be cleaning something out. I'll pull something out of the closet. I'm like, hey, babe, I'm throwing this away. And she'll be like, no, no, wait, we need that. I'm like, babe, we hadn't touched this in two years. It's non-negotiable. It's getting thrown out. We don't need it. We, we didn't even know it was in the closet. You know, it's, it's non-negotiables and it's getting thrown out of my life. Sub 30, this is why it's so important here in these years between 18 and 30 that you, you figure out where you stand on things. That you, that you sit down and you find, where do I, what, what, what's my moral compass? What are my convictions? What are my spiritual beliefs? Because we've all heard it said over and over again, but it's so true. If you don't stand for something, then you'll fall for anything. And people are falling over and over and over, and the enemy is laughing all the way to the bank, and it's so simple for him because people don't know what they're standing for. People don't have any convictions. What do you believe? I don't, I mean, I, God, I just, I get, God, God, okay. And, and like for some people, that's like as deep as it goes. What are your thoughts about this? And what's your convictions about that? I just, you know, I, I mean, I was, I've just been playing video games for a while, I don't know, so. Uh, and, and we're so sidetracked with so many other things that we haven't actually taken a, a moment to say, man, where do I stand on, on things? What are my non-negotiables? What are my beliefs? What, what will I not waver on? You gotta start non-negotiables. And the third thing is this, right? Stop compromising, start non-negotiables. Number three, send for reinforcements. Send for reinforcements. I heard it said one time regarding life, just you know, living life and stuff. If you wanna go fast, go alone. But if you wanna go far, go together. Boy, I thought, man, that was so powerful. What an amazing thought. You see, it's just the simple concept that none of us are better than all of us. That if I'm coming to the realization that, that I wanna get to the next level with Jesus, if I really wanna wanna start taking steps toward maturing in my relationship with God, then it's understanding you will. Not you may, oh, you will need some good, strong, godly friendships in your life. 
Understand this, sub 30, no one, everyone say no one. No one makes it to the promised land by themselves. No one. That you, you wanna get past some of this sin stuff? You wanna get past some of these patterns? You wanna stop living with the enemy? No one's gonna get to the promised land by themselves. There will undoubtedly come a moment you're gonna have to lean on someone. Thank God Moses had Joshua. Thank God Joshua had Caleb. Boy, you can see it all over scripture. Thank God David had Jonathan. There are moments in life where, man, you've done all you can do, but someone else godly and strong needs to step in and help increase your faith. It's gonna take some reinforcements in your life. And when you wanna get serious about your destiny and you wanna get serious about getting the giants out of your life, you will get accountable. If you're not serious, then you'll just never get accountable and you're just gonna roll the dice on all this stuff. But if you're serious, you'll get accountable. Now, now watch this, when it comes to accountability and it comes to godly friendships and people who can speak into your life, watch this, someone else does not make you accountable. You make yourself accountable to someone else. See, a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I totally screwed up, my life's going down the toilet, but I mean, so-and-so didn't even tell me anything. No, 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 they don't make you accountable. You make yourself accountable. You, you go to someone else and you say, hey, I need to tell you, maybe you haven't seen it, but I need to go ahead and let you know I'm struggling. And maybe they will see it, maybe they won't, but it's not like a ticking time bomb for them to figure it out. No, you gotta say something. You gotta go. And when you go, what'll happen is, boy, there is such freedom in that moment. Because what the enemy will convince you of is don't do that, it's gonna be embarrassing. Don't do that, they're gonna judge you. Don't, don't, say, don't say none to them, don't say none to them. Like, they're gonna judge you, they're gonna think weird about you. They might not wanna be around you anymore. They're, they're, gonna, they're gonna distance themselves from you. I mean, that's some weird stuff you got going on. I don't know if I'd tell you. That's what the enemy's gonna tell you over and over. But what you will find is, boy, when you start allowing that to come out and you speak it to someone else who's not gonna air your dirty laundry in the street. Please believe me, I ain't going to someone who's gonna put my business in the street. But boy, someone who will have faith with me, someone who will pray with me, someone who will stand with me, I'll go to that person. And when you go to that person, you will walk away and you will feel like a weight has been lifted off your shoulders. Boy, you'll feel free. You'll feel awesome. Send for reinforcements. I wanna look back as we close and get ready to pray. In verse 23, it said this, that Joshua took the entire land, just like God had directed Moses. And then it says this, the last thing we read right there in Joshua eleven twenty-three, it said, then the land had rest from war. Everyone say rest. Rest is just a good word. Even when you say rest, it just feels like rest. The land had rest from war. See, the, the powerful thing in all of this is that it wasn't until Joshua totally destroyed, the Bible said. When he totally destroyed the enemy, the giants and everyone else, th then rest came to the land. In other words, they hadn't felt rest in a long, long time. But they totally destroyed, and now they felt rest. Sub-30, giants will never coexist with peace, evil will never welcome rest, and sin will never allow a ceasefire. It's only after those things have been totally destroyed can you finally welcome rest back into your life. Maybe you feel like a weight of anxiety is on you, 
because of just some of the stuff you've been involved in and you know it's not good or maybe it brings anxiety, maybe it brings worry of God who's gonna, who's gonna find out and all of this kind of stuff and maybe it's just, it's just heavy, it's weighty and it's just, it, and you keep doing it and Paul, Paul even said it great in scripture. Paul says, man, there's things I don't even wanna do but I keep doing them. I think every individual who's ever breathed oxygen knows what that feels like. I really don't even wanna do this but I just keep doing it. I don't even know, because it's just a pattern. It's just a pattern that's come in your life. But boy, when it gets totally destroyed, rest, 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 freedom, rest comes on your life. The great hope in all of this is obviously Jesus. Sub 30, he's the one man who's ever walked the face of the earth who defeated sin, who defeated death, who defeated the enemy that tries to plague your life every single day. Jesus is the only human being who ever had flesh and bone and blood running through his veins to ever defeat sin. See, this is why Jesus is the hope of the world. You hear that, that said sometime, oh, Jesus is the hope of the world. We even sing songs about Jesus being the hope of the world. Why is Jesus the hope of the world? Because without him, you ain't defeating sin. Without him, you're gonna live with the enemy for the rest of your life. But with him, there's freedom. With him, there's peace. With him, there's rest. That's hope. That's what we define as hope right there. Hope, knowing that my life might be a certain way today, but it doesn't have to be that way tomorrow because of hope. The great thing that we know is that hope has a name and it's Jesus. Hope isn't just some fairy tale thought. Hope isn't just some fingers crossed, hope it shakes out by the end of the book. Hope is a name and his name's Jesus. Why don't we stand to our feet all across the auditorium tonight? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Sometimes God gives guys like me and other preachers a word and you're like, God, that's kind of a heavier word, you know, and I'm not gonna get five million amens with that one, but, but sometimes he's like, no, I, I need it to be preached. I need people to hear it. And you know, when God gives me words, it's not like I, I have pictures in my mind of the faces that are gonna respond. I just preach them faithfully, trust in God. This is gonna hit somebody who needs to hear it and you're gonna do the work that I can't do. I'm just, I mean, you know, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just the messenger. Only God's changing lives. Only the Holy Spirit's doing work in people's hearts. So right now with no one looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed, nothing spooky about that. It's just like a little bit of privacy. Right now, if, if this message tonight, this word from God was hitting you kind of in a special, unique way, you know God's speaking to you about some issues. You gotta stop living with the enemy because you wanna to get to a place of rest and peace. If that's you, I just want you to be so bold just to lift your hand in the air right now. Just put it up, just put it up. Hands all over the place. Hands in literally every section of this auditorium. If you're online right now, just keep your hand up. I'm gonna talk to people online. If you're online right now, you're sitting in a dorm room, you're sitting in the kitchen, in a bedroom somewhere, and you're watching this message, the same thing for you. If that's you, man, I just want you to begin to speak to Jesus right now. Welcome Jesus into your life. Right now, I'll tell you this, we haven't done this in a little while at Sub 30, but there's so many hands, I would love it if you would take one more step. If you would just get out of your seat and come to the front, it would be my privilege to just pray for you right here. Just go ahead and take that bold step. People coming from all over the place. Yeah, you can put your hands together. Come on, if we're gonna clap, let's clap. Let's put our hands. Come on, just come down here. I wanna pray because tonight, man, stuff's dying. Tonight, stuff is gonna get shed off of our life. Tonight, we're gonna stop living with the enemy. Come on, when you get down here, just close your eyes. Just lift your hands. We're gonna get ready to worship Jesus. We're gonna get ready to pray. I love it. 
I love it. Sometimes you just gotta do some good old-fashioned business with God in church. I love it. The altar, the altar, it's just a meeting place with God. There's nothing spooky about walking down. It's just, God, I'm taking steps. I'm serious. God, I'm serious. I've been struggling with this pattern. I've been struggling with this evil. I'm, I'm over it. I'm done with it. I don't want this crushing my life. I don't want this tagging along. I don't want to coexist with this mess anymore. Come on. I, I just want you to pray right where you're at. Just say, Jesus, I welcome you in my life. Jesus, I need your Holy Spirit in my life. Jesus, God, let the blood of Jesus cleanse my life. Let it purify my life. Just say, Jesus, I received the victory. I received the victory that you have. I receive it in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for every individual. God, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would break chains, you would break any bondage, anything over people's life right now. God, that you would set people free. God, I thank you that there is power in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would give us the boldness, that you would give us the courage tonight to declare what shall live and what shall die. Lord, I pray when we wake up tomorrow, we will stop compromising. We will start non-negotiables. God, the stuff that we have struggled with, Lord, we welcome freedom. We welcome freedom. We welcome peace. Come on, just lift your hands.